for centuries. We've been warned about little green men. Now, they are coming. They're coming for you. Run. But first, shut your windows. Hide your apples. Prepare for the attack of the android. And now, your host, and the human leader of the Android Underground, Matt Lee. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Tuesday, December 11th, 2012. This is episode number 64, Attack of the Androids, every week, Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific, 7, 8, 9 Eastern. Yeah, attackoftheandroids.com slash live. I'm Matt Lee. Join me tonight. We got Eric F. What's up, Eric? Not much, Matt. And, uh, you know, I know we were talking before the show and, you know, we exchanged our niceties, but I can understand why you would want us to do that one more time. Oh, okay. Well, as long as as long as you know, and it really one more time, it just needed that that one one last time. So, Joey Kelly, what's up, Joey? Oh, man, I am just glad to be here one more time. Fantastic. Daft Punk. The show is brought to you by. (laughs) All right, Shane Brady. What's up, man? Uh, not so much. Glad to be back this uh, this time. Just this time? <laughs> Probably not next time because I hate you guys. <laughs> so uh, let's next start. Time we'll get taken down by copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Removed from YouTube. Uh, let's start the thing the the things off here with uh, just a little personal note. Uh, I've been a, a loyal Seismic user since my OG Droid. Like I've been using this app. Uh, then they added ads, but then they also gave you the option to purchase an app. So I did that and it was great. I, I didn't use it to read Facebook so much as I used it to read my Twitter streams. But the great thing about seismic was it allowed an easy way to post to not only your main Facebook profile, but any pages you managed along with Twitter. So you could send one post and it hit a Twitter account of your choice or multiple ones. Uh, and any Facebook pages and your Facebook account. So uh, I guess recently they got acquired by Hootsuite, and I don't know if this is just like start using Hootsuite and stop using Seismic or if it's just a glitch or what, but I could not for the life of me fix it. And so Seismic just randomly stopped posting to Facebook and all Facebook pages. I checked in the settings. I Like I checked everything. I wiped everything. I reinstalled. I did everything, and it just won't post to it. So I checked out Hootsuite. I was like, oh, this looks all right, web-based or whatever on the app and stuff, and that's cool. And so I added my Facebook account in there, and it was like, hey, wait a sec. You need to upgrade to the $10 a month, not just like here's 2 bucks for an app one time. You need to pay us $10 every month because you're using more than five accounts. I was like, I just put in one account, my Facebook account. Apparently, Hootsuite likes to count each page you manage as a separate account. So once I put that in there, it was like six pages and my account, and it was over, and it wanted me to pay for it. So I don't know. I just, why? (laughs) I hope Seismic made a lot of money off of that. Uh, Hootsuite, I'm not so impressed with. Any, Any thoughts on why that would stop working randomly? Or it still posts to Twitter fine, but not Facebook. Are they retiring? Um, are they retiring Seismic? Do you know, or are they just going to eventually integrate it into Hootsuite? 
Uh, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Seismic Pro uh, hasn't been updated since March 27th. Right. It's been a while. So on the blog, it was last updated on September 6th this year that they were acquired. We would like to thank everyone involved with Seismic since its launch. Like Seismic, Hootsuite offers a suite of social media management tools, even with more options for small business enterprise, whatever. Uh, initially, support for both products will continue. However, we will soon be bringing everyone into one great platform. So, <laughs> I guess that's why. That's not a very you know, I'm smooth if, transition. Well, if Facebook maybe changed the, the way that you know apps interact with them, like maybe a small change with their API... But it's, it's still like adds it. Decided to update. It still adds it to Facebook. Fine. It's still it's in there. Like it's it's able to post and access stuff. It just doesn't. Like it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they shut something off so that you use Hootsuite mm. and pay ten dollars a month. I don't know. But very annoying. So I haven't found a replacement. So now I've been going to Facebook and posting there, and then going to <laughs> Seismic to post to my Twitter because <laughs> I refuse to use the native Twitter client because. Well, you know that of principles. Shane talked about last last episode. Um, when I think when it was either last episode or the one before, when we were looking at that, um, was it that article that had like the typical Android users' um, uh, home screen? Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And there was a mention of uh, TweetDeck. Um, well, TweetDeck itself that the got acquired. Android app hasn't been updated in a long time because but there's it- a there's a. Yeah, it got bought by Twitter, and Twitter just crippled it pretty much because Twitter wants you to use their app, which I see why you wouldn't want to be in that business anymore because of the way Twitter, you know, started being towards these developers. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's another app that a user made called Tweak Deck, and it's you know looks and feels like Tweak Deck, and so it's supposed to do the same thing. So that might be another option for you. Hmm. <laughs> I will. I just think a lot of these. Unfortunately, a lot of these are just going to go away. Are we going to eventually be forced into using the Twitter native client? You think pretty soon? Yeah, because you know you're going to be limited to 100,000 users, um, and it's for for sure on the Android platform. They're not going to uh, give many, if at all, uh, any waivers for that. Um, on the Windows 8 side, where they don't have a native app, um, there's a Tweetro was an app that Twitter uh, that reached 100,000 users, and they requested you know more users, and um, Twitter told them no because they're going to eventually have a Windows 8 one. So you can imagine on Android and iOS, where there's a plethora of uh, good Twitter clients, that there is not going to be any new, anybody new coming in. I think it's just a matter of time before. Even the tweak decks and the plumes and this well, Seasmic is already gone and Hootsuite are gone. So, do we just have to write our own then at that point, or what? <laughs> well, I mean, will you write me a Twitter app, Shane, that also posts to Facebook and Google Plus? Because that would be awesome. Should you have your eyes on the road? What? <laughs> I'm sitting in my living room. What are you doing? Uh, uh, well, that, I, I thought you did like your. Uh, when you're on the road, but um, I think it's, I think in the next year it's going to be pretty awful. We're all going to have to use the crappy Twitter client. Um, maybe those- maybe one of the XDA groups will develop their own. Like if CM came with its own Twitter client, I would probably just use that. 
you know. Right, but you can't access the Twitter API without right. being approved. Right, right. And so, you know, unless somebody creates a scheme where you can easily have your own app and then you have your own key, but that's just going to get insane. Yeah. Like, well, and isn't that kind of how Facebook does it? Like, you can go in there and make your own app for access to, like, your website or whatever you're trying to pipe into. Yeah, they, right. You can do that. And they don't, have, they don't have any limits on their API. I mean, they right. just don't care. But Twitter is trying to make money through ads and right, different models. hashtags. And eventually, everybody's going to be forced to use the Twitter client and the website. And I think it's going to be awful. Yeah, and we've kind of seen that with the, the Instagram Twitter thing and the Twitter cards and all that, so... Right. And I don't know if any. Apparently, nobody here uses the the uh, Nate, uh, the Twitter client. Um, but they released their version for Android that actually has all those filters. I like tried Instagram. it back. I used to uh, the first app for Twitter I ever used was Twidroid, and I loved that. Bought that back in the day, and then yep. something got shut down. And in its place, Twitter put in a thing that was like, "You you need to use our app." And I was like, what? That's like there were if you opened up Twidroid in your feed, all you saw was this one post from Twitter that was like, this is no longer working. You need to use our app or something. It it was phrased weird. Like we just owned your phone or something. <laughs> but no good. All right. Uh, let's move on. I just something I, I noticed that kind of bugged me. So if any, I, I know it's been an app pick and I wrote an article about it a long ass time ago. But if anyone's still using it, it probably doesn't work very well. Uh, somebody put in a, this interesting piece off of Android police about the USPTO preliminary invalidating the Apple touch heuristic patent. Was this you, Eric? Eric? Yep. It's sorry. <laughs> it certainly was. Oh God. They shouldn't put the windows key so close to the alt key. <laughs> it just, it causes issues. No good. Um, yeah, this was an interesting story. Um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that like you know the patent's gone and it's been thrown out already. Um, my understanding from reading Grok Law and a couple other sites is that it's just sort of the first step in showing that this patent's probably no good. Um, but what's really important is that this is you know this multi-touch patent is one of the like one of the big ones that Apple's been using to go after um, to go after a lot of its competitors. Right. And I think it had like 20 points, like 20 points inside of the patent, and all 20 were, um, were I guess, preliminarily ruled as invalid. So 20 it, claims? Well, the 20 yeah, parts 20 claims, that were yeah. infringed upon, right? Sorry, say that again, Matt? The, the 20 parts of the patent that was infringed upon. Yeah, the 20 parts that could be infringed upon, the, like the, the 20 pieces that make up the whole of the patent, each one of those uh, were ruled as, uh, as invalid. So I, I just thought that was really, uh, it was really interesting that you know, this, this cornerstone patent is now being looked at with more scrutiny. So um, there's really not much, honestly, not much news uh, about it right now. But as this process goes forward, we could see this patent get thrown out uh, in actuality versus just this preliminary ruling. Yeah, I can uh, I can add a little, a little color. I was talking to a patent attorney just the past week, um, and it, you know, it, Eric's right. This thing is this is just beginning. They can appeal this all the way up to practically um, the Supreme Court of, of patent law. 
But um, in 2006, 2007, the Supreme Court uh, ruled in such a way that um, to really fight back in general about obviousness patents, um, so there's supposed to be a lot more skepticism since 2006 uh, going forward with patents in regards to what they'll allow. So oftentimes these patents, they just let them go right on through. But what they're doing now is um, they go through, you apply for a patent and they go through, they look up all the prior art, they call it. And then there's three things you have to, there's three things you have to pass. You have, has to be, uh, you, you have to pass prior art. You have to, it has to be something like something that, actually exists in any, so something that's patentable. And, and the next one is, is obviousness. And um, a lot of times they'll take two patents and say, well, anybody skilled in the arts of, of this area can look at these two patents and get your idea. So that's not patentable. And so I hopefully this standard, it may take a while, but this will start being applied to software patents, which there's tons of, well, if you've seen this and you've seen that, you can infer this. Um, but that ruling only came in 2007, and so a lot of these software patents are probably pre way, go way beyond that because software patents can take five, six, seven years uh, to even go through it. I, I, I have some software patents that were filed in, in 2004 or 2003, I want to say, that I'm you know still have to, still working on. Interesting. Will this do anything to? fix the whole system as a whole no this is just like a tiny little band-aid that right you know because what happens is like so i i have something i'm patenting that has nothing to do with software right and i'm 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 getting to a point where um my only option is to like spend a lot of lawyer money and time to get to a certain appeals court right so so for small small inventors like myself, it, it, it hurts a lot. Um, and it depends on how much companies want to spend slogging through these patents uh, to get there. I mean, it might take what used to take five, six, seven years and make it closer to 10. At that point, What's you know, the point then? Yeah, You've I don't think on. it's going to fix it. But, something, but I can see how in multi-touch or swipe to unlock, those things probably wouldn't be... Uh, accepted uh, as easily under the new new regime, but I mean it, you're still up to the examiner, and it's not nearly um, it's quite a mess. I really don't know of a good way to solve it, other than saying there's no such thing as software patents. One day, <laughs> one day. Uh, well, what I definitely see happening with this is that in you know in these appeals and these new lawsuits going forward, anybody that's uh, that's going up against Apple. Um, is probably going to be pointing to this um, and saying, you know, hey, this is, you look at all these that, that were invalidated and you, you trying to use that as an argument, um, you know, for, you know, to say that other patents are not, you know, valid as well. Um, so even if, even if it turns out that this, that this doesn't stand and that the patent is uh, reinstated, um, yeah, it's still going to be ammunition for anybody going up against Apple uh, on the, in the smartphone and uh, tablet arena. So, and can really go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was just going to move us on. If if you had something else to say about this, well, do you, it's kind of tangentially re, uh, related, but maybe it um, signals maybe a sea change with Apple. 
uh, that Apple and Google teamed up to buy the Kodak patents. Right, right. Um, which is interesting because you wouldn't think those two could do patent business well, because they have different goals. From what I heard, it was to to protect or maybe even go after a Microsoft in that case. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could see with Windows Phone eight and Nokia and their their partners that they would want to have that. I guess and Microsoft is collecting money on Androids and all that stuff. So it, I don't know. It's interesting that they would team up, and it, I think, like you said, it shows that Tim Cook is more. I, I don't want to say more business minded, but he's he's more focused on developing the business and not just trying to uh, sue everyone out of existence or start start a competition type war uh, within the different fan boys and girls groups. Yeah, I, I saw it's interesting because the amount each company had to kick in is so small compared to their war chest. Yeah, right. Like either of those companies could have easily purchased them all on its own, but would that do anything like if Google were to get those, would that do anything to hurt its antitrust stuff? So is it a, an act of good faith almost that they're like, look, we're, we're working with our sworn worst enemy whom we've just got done doing nuclear war with or whatever, you know? So I, I don't know. That's what I kind of was thinking about it. Well, it could be, it's more interesting for me for the Apple side because they clearly don't need, to well, team up with anybody to buy right. anything, and it, it's uh, maybe a sea change. But also because of how many places Apple has gone after with patents, would that be an antitrust if they were to buy them all, all themselves? So I, I don't know. It almost, it's interesting for sure. So all right, uh, and kind of talking about that, there was an article, uh, an interview with Larry Page in Fortune. Uh, and he was talking about Google and Siri and Amazon. Uh, he was asked whether Siri and Amazon could be considered competition. Uh, he responded that he didn't really think of it that way. He went on to say that while Google has to think about competition, his job is, quote, mostly getting people not to think about our competition. In terms of Steve Jobs, nothing much on that topic aside from that they were friendly at times. Uh, he mentioned Wallet, uh, he said he doesn't want to get it available for more people. Maybe Google can finally convince other carriers like Verizon <laughs> to let us use it. Uh, in the meantime, aside from wallet, Google has uh, also has the other side accepting payments through play, which means working in many countries and with many currencies and carriers. So that's cool. Uh, and then the, the last thing they talked about was uh, they were talking about a Motorola made Nexus device. And what it says here is that Page appeared to take this with caution, noting that there was, quote, a lot of complexity in that question. Uh, Page didn't address the issue of when or if we may see a Motorola Nexus device, but did comment on the subject of being fair to other partners, unlike maybe what Microsoft did uh, at the start of the whole, you know, Surface tablet thing and all that. But uh, Page said that he doesn't, think there's any physical way we could have released a nexus motorola device in that sense because they haven't owned the company long enough so just some interesting quotes from the google ceo wearing his google glass in this awesome picture (laughs) well it seems like it seems like google has been very focused on carving out the parts of motorola that it wants to keep and getting rid of the parts that it does not Uh, we've seen I think two stories this past week um, about, you know, Google's going to be shutting down uh, a Motorola shop in South Korea. They're going to be selling off 
um, some Motorola assets in South America. Well, and didn't we so, see that there were two set-top box manufacturers that well, they were? There was a lot that made offers, but these were the only two that I guess they were seriously entertaining because of the amount they offered. So, I mean, they're they're they have a lot of stuff that they could sell. Not that they need the money, but they don't need to focus on that specific area. Now, did you guys did you guys catch whether? You know, in the sale of the set-top box stuff or the proposed sales, are they just selling the manufacturing part of it, or are they also selling the patents and the technology behind it? I believe they wanted to keep the patents and just sell the manufacturing tech, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't think too many details are released, and there's a lot of speculation on top of speculation that led to some uh, sort of obnoxious headlines. But... See, I wasn't even speculating. I was just completely blindly guessing. Yeah, I, I think your guess is right, but th- these, these deals are so preliminary, I was surprised at how much, how many stories grew out of it, I guess. Joey, you got anything to say about any of this? You've been pretty quiet there this show, listening to your daft punk. Uh, no, definitely not. No, not sitting here on mute, like jamming out to music or anything. No. So why don't you tell us about your uh, new little toy there while I do this? Oh, yes. We mentioned this couple, what was it, two or three shows ago. Um, This is a Motorola Razor in the Motorola lap dock. Okay. And And I recently saw a question on Google Plus if somebody, they were wanting to buy one of those razors, and they asked if they should get the HD or the M Max. I I don't know if that, neither here nor there. I said get the Galaxy Nexus, but that's my choice. That's a thought. This only works with certain razors. It doesn't work with all of them. Um, This particular one I picked up, as you might be able to see, for those of you watching the video, if you look real close, you'll see that there's a very badly busted up screen. Uh, There's all kinds of cracks in it and whatnot. Might have to take my word for it. It's not showing up very well. Did you buy that from my friend? Because that's exactly what his looked like after it took a dump off of his uh, lap onto the concrete. Nope. Uh, one of my coworkers uh, did the exact same thing, uh, dumped it onto a concrete floor, and I was able to buy it from my company for a buck. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty awesome. And it works oh, in the dock, God. right? Because the dock's not cracked. It's just the phone that's cracked. Right. It's just the phone. As a matter of fact... So you uh, have I, like a dollar laptop there that runs Android. That's Well, awesome. I had to buy the dock. Oh, okay. So you have like an $88 laptop. 76 actually. Nice. Um... But yeah, so the uh, so this looks like a little laptop. Um, in size and function, it's about the same as a 10-inch netbook. Although I confess, I haven't actually measured the screen. Um, let me see. I think it's a little bit smaller than a, than a 10-inch netbook, but it runs Android. It runs very well. Um, I'm able to uh, run a lot of games and whatnot with it that um, I wasn't able to run on my single-core phone because this is a dual-core Droid. Um, and one of those, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, is if it pulls up, of course, it's not going to pull up for me when I go to show it off. Um, anyway, Grand Theft Auto 3. Yes, indeedy. So pulling that right up. Anywho. Um, so yes, it's a great little phone. Uh, and unfortunately the phone isn't useful without the dock because, well, with the screen cracked, it's very hard to interact with it. Um, anyway, but as a gaming platform, it works very well. 
The catch is is that uh, for a a game that's designed for touch, when you can't touch the screen because you see the lap dock disables the touch, it's very difficult to work with uh, a game that's designed for touch. You just really don't have that. So you have to come up with alternative ways of controlling it. Um, I'm going to go into de- more detail on that at some later date. Um, I've got a couple of apps that um, I'm using to interact with it. But um, it works very well, surprisingly well for the keyboard. Um, uh, there's, there's mediocre reviews in the keyboard. Some people are like, ah, it's crap. And others are like, no, it's really nice. And I'm of the opinion that it's good enough to work. Um, it's, you know, it, it's not uh, something that I'm going to want to sit there and pound away at for an entire workday. But it works very well to f- and hammer out short emails um, and even some long-winded stuff. Uh, battery life is okay. One thing that's annoying, um, well, it depends on your point of view. It's very nice for um, someone who's using this as a phone with a dock. The dock continuously charges the phone. So if the phone battery goes dead, the dock will charge it up using its internal battery. The only downside for me is that where I don't use it without the dock, that also means that I have to charge up the dock twice as often because I can't use them independently. The uh, the battery tech, uh, does not f- uh, the, the charge that is doesn't flow back and forth. It only goes one direction out of the dock into the phone. Uh, the good news is that if you were using this as a phone, your battery would always be charged, even if the laptop was dead, which is what you'd want. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I think it was a good investment. You can find these uh, now routinely online. I see them on on buyout sites. Uh, the, I think this one came from DailySteals.com, uh, and uh, it was fifty bucks plus uh, shipping. It worked out to be seventy-five bucks, give or take. Um, and if you've got a, a Droid and you want to do some tablet-like functionality with it, this works fine. Uh, it does have a couple right here USB ports on the back. And I've plugged the thumb drive into it, and that works. Uh, I assume if I plug the SD card reader in it, that would work. Are you using Although a special file explorer for that, or is that just the default file explorer that it shows up in? Or No, what? she's running an ice cream sandwich, uh, and it shows right up. You just plug it nice. right in. Uh, let me think. I got one right here. And uh, same, watch this. Okay, here we go. And the... So would you recommend something like that over a Chromebook because of Android? Do you think running Android in that way would be more productive or better than just a Chromebook running the browser? Yes, because this has the capability of being used offline. So is a Chromebook. Right. You just have to make sure you know that you're going to be offline ahead of time to sync whatever it is you need. Right. What do you think, Shane? I, I I like to I like to see anybody with any computer take themselves offline and see how long they can be productive. Well, it uh, depends what you're doing too, because if all you're doing is Facebook and email, that you kind of need to be online to do that. So, right, a lot of what we do is already online, so I, I don't think a distinction is is important. Um, but the Chromebook does support a lot of offline stuff now, and it has an SD card reader. So well, and two, you can think about the aspect of this has the phone, so if you don't have Wi-Fi or a phone to tether your Chromebook to, this will always be online unless your Droid Razor is not activated. Then it's only right. Wi-Fi. So compared, to a, compared to a Chromebook with 3G, I guess. So that would be a better Sure, comparison. or tethered to your phones if you don't want an extra 3G connection payment. But, well, that's pretty cool, man. 
good yeah, it's, stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's working for me. It's a cheap tablet. Um, it's going to carry me over until I can pick up something um, or my company can pick up something a little more aggressive. Um, but What's it, the it, resolution it on it? Oh, good question. I'm not sure. Okay. Can you, can you, can you use a mouse with it? Yes. Uh, that is one thing that I found um, instantly. Some people were... Uh, complaining that well, okay, you can't uh, the keyboard can't and you, it doesn't have great response and blah 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 blah. You plug a USB keyboard into one of the two USB ports and bam, you've got whatever keyboard you want. Um, That's awesome. Include, and like we yeah, said include, before, that would be cool with certain games that allow you to map the keyboard and mouse. Yes, and uh, I have also plugged in a USB scrolling mouse, and that works perfectly. As a matter of fact, there's actually a setting in here that will allow you to disable the touchpad when a mouse is plugged in. Right, right. Good stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, just like a laptop. And um, unfortunately, I go back to my earlier comment about uh, if, a, if a game or something is designed for touch, it doesn't work well with a keyboard and a mouse. Uh, same thing here. Uh, GTA 3 does not play appreciably better with a keyboard and mouse on this platform. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's very difficult to work with compared to the touch. Because it um, was redesigned to be used with a touch right. interface. Is the exactly. screen touch touch capable? No. That's do, where you lose it. You do they make web tops that have touch screens or no? Do they even make that? Like, could you get a web top that has the... Well, I think the closest thing that you get is when you start talking about like a Transformer Prime with with the dock, um, because then you've right. still got the tablet. But that's um, a keyboard dock, whereas this is a screen and a keyboard. Yeah, so. um, I don't know. I, do, I honestly, I don't know. Um, one of our listeners I, is supposed to be sending me uh, the the keyboard thing for the Prime, so when I get it, we'll be able to compare how how the two work and and all that. Oh, I can tell you right now, the Transformer Prime works an awful lot better. I'm, I'm hoping so. I really want that dock. I think that'd be cool to have. Yeah. So, um, all right, uh, let's move on. There was an interesting study that came out in the Bits blog on the New York Times about uh, weaknesses in, in, in Google Android's security service. Uh, we talked a few episodes ago about that Google added a security tool is supposed to prevent users from installing harmful software. Uh, here is an independent study that suggests the feature fails to detect large swaths of malware. Uh, an Android user can turn on Google's new feature called the Application Verification Service in Settings. Once it's flipped on, whenever an app is being installed, the service sends information about the app to Google for verification and Google responds with a result. If the service detects a potentially dangerous app, it warns the user that the app may harm the device if it's installed. If the service detects a dangerous app, it simply blocks it from being installed. Uh, so Zhu Zhen Zhang, associate professor of computer science at North Carolina State, uh, he put Google's security service through some tests. He installed 1,260 samples of malware on Google Nexus tablets, and Google's service caught 193 of them. That's about 15% detection rate. He concludes that the service is still immature and has lots of room to improve. Google says that along with its verification service, it has a security system called Bouncer, which we talked about quite a few episodes ago. Uh, whenever an app is submitted to Google Play, the official Android app store, Bouncer puts it through simulation on Google servers to search for hidden malware, spyware, and Trojans. So, uh, Eric, I think you, you posted this. What, what are your thoughts on, on this? It's just you need to, as the user, be smart enough to, you know... It's like a computer. You can have antivirus and stuff, but if you still click on an email that has malware, like you're going to get bit. That's that's kind of how I feel. And I, I think that if you 
if you look at you know a year ago, we were getting stories of uh, you know here there's twenty twenty applications that were found with you know this Trojan on the Google you know the Android App Store or whatever it was called Android Market back then. Um, I think that this this addresses that you have Bouncer and then you have the extra protection of this app verification service. That's mainly what they're looking for. If you're if you're going to all these where sites and or even just you know random forums and downloading APKs from people that aren't verified by the community itself, um, yeah, you're likely to get a virus. But you know, I this doesn't just because they ran it through a series of tests and it only detected fifteen percent. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't go as far as to say that oh, it's it's a huge failure. Um, because I I think that it's probably serving its purpose. It's just not as robust as what you know an actual antivirus might be. Well, plus they're only testing a part of Google's new solution, right? They don't have any way of testing Bouncer, <laughs> which is the Play yeah. Store. So anything on the Play Store will probably be fine. Yeah. Well, I guess you could you could you know lay some some apps with malware and then try to get them uploaded and see if they get through. That's one way to to test Bouncer. Right, but it's hard to do without getting blacklisted. <laughs> but um, Yeah, there's that. Well, you would obviously not want to use your main account for that. I mean, obviously. You probably don't right, want to uh, upload it from your house. I think that goes also without saying. Eric, does the study have more weight with you now that Lookout agreed with it? <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny. Oh, Lookout agreed with it? Oh, wow. <laughs> Lookout yeah. said, yeah, it's dangerous out there. Buy our stuff. <laughs> yeah. Joey? Well, thought- it, I would say it has more weight with me seeing that it was not – it wasn't one of these antivirus companies putting the study out. If if it were that, then I would just say, oh, whatever. It's just a bid to get more, you know, get more people to pay for it. Um, now, this professor, I don't know if if – this person's regularly paid by these companies to do testing. That might be interesting, but I mean, it's whatever. It's it's preliminary, and it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to be aware of. But behavior is probably the best uh, preventative measure that you can take. Prevention is the best medicine. So don't download. Just dumb, say no. Don't download dumb stuff. And do you think though that I mean, if if people start using this. Aren't you just going to get into, what's that called? Click fatigue? Tap fatigue? If you keep getting a message, you're just going to keep clicking, you're just going to keep clicking yes, and it's, I mean, you're going to get bit. But I think the people that are doing that are going to get bit regardless, so, and maybe that's how they'll learn. You know, you have to sit in a queue on hold with Verizon waiting to get through to reverse some charges a few times. Like, you're going to be more careful. You don't ever want to do that, you know? Nuh-uh. No, they won't. No, you don't think so. Why? I, I unfortunately, I'm a bit jaded on this. I see the same people making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Um, and experience does not always teach. It's a good point. Does teach good uh, bad employees? All right. Uh, we saw some updates this week that Google Now cards uh, coming with the new was it search update. Which which actual app got updated for these? Google Search. Google Search. Uh, so there was the one you were seeing, which I'm still not seeing, and I don't know if it's because I leave my 
Because I walk a lot for my day job, but my phone I, is on the dock in the car, so I don't really take it with me. But there's the, the activity summary that shows a rough approximation of how far you walked or cycled in the last month. Yep, and they also, um, this time, they added a uh, notification asking for permission to do it. And see, that's how I knew I had gotten it, be, And uh, besides seeing the update for the Google search app, is that I got that message. And I was like, yeah, let's let's see this. But still nothing, so I don't know. I should start carrying around in my pocket next week and test it and see if, if it shows up then. Uh, and then the birthdays thing, which I guess that's what, tied into Google+, because I noticed... In Gmail? Or no, maybe it was just in Google+. Plus. On the right-hand side, you start seeing people's birthdays, kind of like how Facebook does it. Yeah, I don't know if it does that. or also pulls from your contacts on the phone. Right, if you have their birthday in there. Yeah. Uh, events... I think it does both because, it. I mean, you see on the card it says uh, it has a little Google Plus thing that says wish happy birthday. <laughs> so I'm guessing it can probably do either or unless your birthday is in December. Except that they fix that. Then you don't exist. <laughs> then you're you are dead to me. No, I hope they kept that. I hope that they kept that particular thing just for birthdays. Just because that's when Jesus' birthday is, Eric. So there's yep. events. There's uh, events. It'll show you before your favorite artists give concerts near you, or before other popular events are scheduled near you. Uh, football games. Prince Royce, <laughs> in the example here. The Prodigy. Do you remember the Prodigy? Yep. I thought I he also, didn't he get arrested for arson? Sorry, go ahead. What? I was at mine has flogging Molly, Cat Williams, the night buzz stole Christmas. That's a local radio station. I don't think Three Mavericks. I don't think there's anything going on in Kalispell, Montana tonight. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, mine's empty. Or in the next week. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not seeing anything. And nothing for Rangoon? <laughs> I don't even no, not at all. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, wait. Sarah Jarrett's birthday is today. Let's all wish her a happy... I don't even know who that is. Happy birthday, Sarah. Happy birthday, Sarah. And then the uh, it is 34 degrees here. Do you care about this new place? Nope. View... Oh, there it is. Nearby events. There are none. So, sweet deal. Google now. All right. Uh, it'll also do flights, Gmail event bookings, Gmail flights. So, if you have any of those uh, correspondence... In your mail, it'll now do that. And I, I heard a conversation on another podcast where they were saying that, isn't that kind of creepy? Do you, I don't think this is creepy at all. Oh. I think it's useful, but I don't know. I'm more public than normal people, I guess. But what do you guys think? Is this creepy? How shit? is it creepy? Because it's reading your... email that you receive. It's Gmail. Re- displaying it. It's because your, your email provider is reading your email. <laughs> In order to give you... Either A, relevant ads, or B, uh, give up your location to the assassinator that's uh, coming to get you. Everyone's email is scanned by an automatic program on every ISP out there. How do you think spam filtering works? Right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, come on. So... It's, right. So I check this out. Cool. While while they're scanning, if they can also, on top of providing useful spam filtering services, if they can also provide something cool like this, like I've never had any email give me cool stuff like this to my mobile device on, on, in real time. Like that's a cool use of it, I think. Yeah, this one I don't understand the, the, the issues because 
It's no different than your mail program downloading the mail. It has to parse the data file out, you know, differentiate headers, blah, blah, blah. And this is determine if it's HTML. It's all sorts of processing it does. This is just recognizing common useful patterns and displaying it for you in a different format. It, it's, I mean, I understand people call it creepy, but mainly if they just they don't understand. By the way, I, we should also point out that before you can even use Google now, you have to agree to it. Right, and we've and seen this. Do everything. We've seen this time and time again. People are always afraid of things they don't understand. So the, why should this be any different? You know. Yeah. So. Uh, and then there were, I don't know if these ones were new this update, but there were the movies, uh, news updates, movies now showing, uh, restaurants, stuff like that. So pretty cool. Just getting more and get more useful. I don't get any cards lately. I, not even the weather card? I get the weather. I always get the no, weather I get the card. weather. And, and the card that's like, hey, dummy, time to go to work if you want to be there the on time. I get the research one a lot. Yeah, well, you're Which the only one? smart one of us that probably does any kind of research. <laughs> research one? Holy crap. Yeah, what yeah, is that? There's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff. The time back home is always handy. Tell I us, don't know what yours says, Eric. But Shane, tell That is us. never accurate. That is never accurate. <laughs> Shane, tell us about the uh, research card. What does that show you? I'm not seeing that well, on the list here. It somehow figures out if I don't think I have one. I don't have one up. Oh, show when you've yeah. recently used Google search to research a topic such as a trip you're planning. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I, but but it does more than just trips. Like, um, I did a search for, um, you guys remember last, a couple weeks ago in Kansas City, there was that shooting football. Yep. In the, yeah. yep. So I did a search for that, and it comes back and says, hey, these are some other stories you might be interested in. In, in a, a card? On this story. In, in a card, on the research. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Right I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the first news story of, like, serial killer caught because his Google Now research card came up with, like, how to, how to hide a body or something like that. Right, because there aren't a billion people asking Siri how to hide a body right now. Yeah. yeah. Every, quick, everybody do it. Which is why the um, service never works. Well, good for them that Siri will fail and they'll never get the information. <laughs> Well, there you go. Siri stopping serial killers. Serial killers, huh? Huh? All right. Oh, Moving on. <laughs> I, I, actually, there's two other features that um, we should point out with Google, uh, the new Google Now. Okay. Uh, you can say post to Google Plus, and it'll bring up a Google Plus post. Um, Very nice. You, you can say, what's a song, and it'll listen to a song. Um, oh yeah, in the search thing, you can have it listen to the song, and it'll tell you. That's cool. Yeah, and there's something else with photo search. I haven't figured out a way to test it yet. Just um, with using goggles, Google goggles, taking a picture they, with your camera and then searching that way, or uh, is that what you're talking about? It's related to that, but they made it, it's it's. Uh, I can't believe it's not. I can't. This page has like everything but those those new ones. This is enable search from camera. So with search from camera enabled, pictures taken with the camera app will be automatically analyzed. If Google finds something interesting, the results will be shared via notifications in the status bar. That's kind of cool. Right, but that's been there for a while. Right. Uh, cool. Let me see if we figure what the other one was. Because uh, it was, I wasn't sure if um, if it was good or not. All right. I couldn't figure out how to test it. 
Well, while while you're looking and messing with that, everyone should drink because Joey has a Republic Wireless update. The dual band Motorola phone shipping. What's up? Oh, Joey, we f- we forgot the most important one. Oh, what Shane? What? Well, they're they're sort of backing into a passbook situation. Uh huh. So what, it only works with United. And you guys plan to fly this year, United Airlines? Nope. Okay. Well, if you choose to use United I'll Airlines, I'll be flying. If you choose to use, uh, when you get to the airport, it'll bring up on Google Now your boarding pass. So you just use your phone. That's awesome. Right, and that's that just like passbook. But very cool. I think this is really neat because uh, companies don't have to do a lot of app integration. They just have to just be able to send email, and then Google just works with them to right. make it work. So I don't know what else you use, but Ticketmaster could do this, right? I mean, right now they send you your tickets in a PDF that you can put on your phone, but now they can just send it to Google. Google works with Ticketmaster. Boom, you have your tickets on your on your phone. Is um, Google coordinated enough to work at, with that? Do you think? I mean, uh, that's all yeah. just software solutions, so they're good at that. That's all just engineering, right? Right, it's the probably, dealing with the customer side, Ticketmaster would deal with that, right? Or whoever right, they were Google working with. All Google has to with. do is figure out how to parse the email into right, a right. format. And Which they're good at already. They're already doing that with the packages, with the flights, with, with all the other stuff. So Yeah, that's, I mean, for all I know, if if, if Ticketmaster sends you your, your tickets and they do it in a PDF, Google may be already, maybe already to scan it. Maybe PDF they don't and, send and, it to your email. Maybe they just send it to Drive. And from Drive, it goes wherever. If you need to print yeah, it, why I don't know why you would, or send it to whatever device. That's cool. But yeah, this you is, have a guy um, saying that Google's only going to deal with data, though. That, I mean, that's and not customer service. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you if you are putting your boarding pass on the phone and it's going to be displayed through Google now, and there's a problem, you still have to have some level of customer service to back it up. Even if it's not your fault, you need to have somebody like keeping the lights on and transferring you over to United Airlines or whatever. Why don't you make it so that it doesn't break? Could you do that? Well, you could do that, but <laughs> could you do you know, that? This isn't a perfect world, and it's but, just gonna. If yes, Google is. maintains a level of customer service that they currently do, nobody's going to want to use this awesome feature if and when it screws up. Yeah, but Eric, they have, they have a wonderful backup plan in that it's in your email. On your phone. That is true, also. So if you can't get to Google now, you have a backup. But I see what Eric's talking about. The one time somebody misses a flight because something didn't go through, like, that's it. They're never going to trust that again. Right, and they'll tweet it to MG Siegel right. or like, <laughs> Google Plus and, you know, you know yes, how it goes. Yes, yes, that's how but it I goes. Think this is, I think this is a quicker solution than, than uh, Passbook. Yeah. Plus, isn't it also integrated? Will this ever get integrated into iOS, do you think? Like, do you have Google now for iOS? I don't think. No, you, you can't. There's no way to... I don't think there's a real good way of Because it's at the like OS level, really. Well, and plus Apple locks things down. And... Well, right. And you wouldn't want to share those secrets with your mortal enemy. <laughs> uh, but it will be coming to Chrome now. Right. Yeah, I, I saw that. That's pretty cool too. All right, uh, quickly before app picks, Republic Wireless update, dual band Motorola phone shipping. Yeah, Republic Wireless. Uh, very short blurb. Uh, we got an announcement this morning, uh, or was it this afternoon? Yeah, I got uh, the email it, this afternoon. 
yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, it was basically basically what they're saying is that you no longer have to pre-order their dual-band uh, Motorola phone. Uh, you can order it now. It's shipping. Uh, so if you were holding off uh, trying on Republic Wireless just to see, you know, if it was going to work for you or whatnot, now is a good time. They are expanding their coverage. Um, to basically every market that I can find um, that uh, there's a strong presence for uh, Sprint in. Uh, it's uh, My experience with the phone itself was actually quite nice, um, except for the fact that I couldn't make phone calls in certain areas, but they claim that a dual uh, mode or dual band phone will solve an awful lot of those problems. So uh, it's worth a shot, and uh, if you're thinking about Republic Wireless, it's a good time to go. Very cool. All right, uh, last week, <clears throat> excuse me, or was it the week before, we talked about the Nexus 4 getting hacked on and, and seeing the, the LTE chip in it. Uh, we got a story on Android Authority that some guys got it working on AT&T now, but only on band 4, which is the 1700 megahertz band. This is going to get really nerdy. Eric, go. Cool. So... Um... Basically, in in areas where shut up, dog. In areas where where they need more coverage, um, AT and T and some other uh, companies are using this. Sweet Jesus! You know what, though, Eric? Honestly, I will take the dog barking over babies crying any day of the week. I had to fast forward that episode of that podcast. I, I couldn't. Babies. There were like babies. It, it was. Some episode of Twit, I think. I just like it was babies crying, and it was just like, oh my god, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Jeez. Well, so we knew that in Canada they use band four, um, you know, that seventeen hundred band for LTE, which is why the Nexus Four was able to use LTE with a little bit of you know hackery. Sure. Uh, well, it turns out AT and T uses it in some big metropolitan areas to, I guess, just make sure that their coverage is. In, that they're fully covered in all places. So in in cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, um, if you do this, you know these additional hacks, you might be able to actually get LTE working on your Nexus Four um, with AT and T, which is kind of neat. If and you, I mean, was... if, it's only if you live in those areas. If you live, you know, in Kansas City, I doubt that they that they use you know that particular band. But, uh, you know, it's cool nonetheless that they got it working. There was also an interesting part where Google, they asked, like, why why there's no 4G LTE support, but there it kind of does. And it says, in short, uh, on Android Authority here, it's the carrier's fault. Uh, Google's need to make the device available in as many markets as soon as possible without having to compromise the mobile, with mobile operators on availability dates or future Android updates. Uh, as The Verge explains, Google preferred to make the Nexus 4 HSPA Plus ready and thus capable to operate on most cellular networks instead of having to deal with carriers like AT&T and Verizon in the USA to create LTE versions. Uh, among the drawbacks, launch delays have been quoted, but also the carrier's requirement to control Android updates with Verizon being a prime example uh, in that topic. So... well. Remember when we had the it was the I think it was the Nexus S 4G um it went by another name but you know there were all sorts of issues I seem to remember The Skyrocket um, was that the Skyrocket? No, it was not I, the Skyrocket. I forget. Um, but you know like the source code for 4G 
um, you know, making that available, making everything work right. I mean, it seems like this this 4G jump has been really difficult when it comes to Nexus devices in particular. So if you look at the Nexus 4 as a good, you know, good, cheap, unlocked phone with really great specs, um, you know, for developers mainly or somebody on a budget, then I think it's great. If you need 4G... I mean, even if you live in these these locations, I don't know that I would. <laughs> I don't know that I would buy one and hack it. Right, because uh, what are the chances? Works with 4G. How easy is it for the carrier to switch to a different band that their other phones support, but this particular one does not? Like, would is that possible? Think, Could they do that if they noticed a lot of people, really difficult? Would it? I th- I think so because I think that. And, and I have no experience with cellular networks, but I've I've done some like WiMAX networking, and it's I mean you get equipment that is uh, you know that might be able to transmit on a few, you know a few different uh, frequencies, um, but it's but tuned. You limited. need them. What's yeah. that? Oh, I say it's tuned in a limited fashion. Yeah, I mean I think you only have a few options, and even if the options there, which it, you know it may be. I mean, you have to change all of your all of your units and all of your towers. Um, it would probably be just a, a big, a, you know, a big pain. I used and to they've set already up, gone through. And, I I used to set up these antennas, and from what I remember, it was just a simple. I mean, you had to go out to each main switch and then telnet in, and then you could change all that stuff from within, as long as the radios supported what you were changing it to. Sure. So they do have, have FCC, right? There's right. Yeah, but so some of the places I, I don't know if you mentioned Phoenix, Raleigh, San Juan, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Chicago, Charlotte, Athens, uh, Georgia, and College Station, and Texas. Those markets you could probably get it to work. Uh, uh, Matt, you were talking about the episode that had all the annoying babies on it. Uh-huh. Um, well that, uh huh. That Twit also did a they had their uh, buy you know uh, buy or not buy thing. And they compared the speed of LTE on the Note 2 to the HSPA Plus on the Galaxy Nexus. And the Galaxy Nexus won on Sprint's LTE. Yeah, it's fast on the Verizon LTE, too. I mean, I don't have any other LTE device to compare it to, but seeing 38 megabits is pretty awesome. In a, well, I'm saying the HSPA Plus is pretty quick in a lot of, in a lot of areas. So right. for... Ninety percent of people. It's going to be fine anyway if you're in the area that you can get that. Yeah, if you're, well, I mean, I guess you can't have a Verizon phone or a Sprint phone, but right. Obviously, the Nexus Four problem isn't been not enough people buying it. So yeah, definitely not. <laughs> All right, uh, before we do app picks, there were a couple apps updated. The YouTube app got a cool update. I think I can show you here. Uh, with a Hang new on a second. Before you jump into that, um, did anybody else see the note uh, or the uh, news blurb about T-Mobile? No, I don't have T-Mobile, so I don't. <laughs> what, okay, what happened? Well, T-Mobile is changing their business model. They're going away from having subsidized phones. So basically it's buy a phone outright or bring your own unlocked phone, and that's all they're going to be doing. Really? You can, you can pay that for the phone cool. in installments, though. Uh, they were talking about that. That was that had been finalized, um, but but the point was is that that's kind of a well, for lack of a better term, a British or a European model where you're, it's your own responsibility for the hardware, and as opposed to our American model where everything's subsidized. Right. The the advantage, of course, is that the plans themselves get wicked cheap. 
um, simply because there's no longer a phone subsidy built into them. Uh, and I don't know, that definitely could change the market up. Um, it would certainly make me consider getting a T-Mobile hotspot um, because then I could uh, turn it on or off at will um, if I went with a, like a prepaid route or something like that. And uh, I'm curious why they're doing this at the same time that they're getting the iPhone next year because people are going to see the iPhone and it's going to be $850 for the top one. Right. No one's going to buy it. No, well, they'll, the they'll still buy it. I'm sure they'll still buy it. You know they will. I mean, I'll... the thing is, is the access will be cheap. So it would, I mean, in the long run, over a course of two years, you're actually saving money. The but aren't you is... buying a new iPhone every year and not waiting every two? <laughs> but those, pe- those people probably already moved to a different carrier, right? right. Like T-Mobile's people are, you know. I, I think, not to class people or anything, but I think that the, the folks that are on T-Mobile tend to be very budget conscious, um, and they may not be necessarily... Um, driving the, the, the newest Apple hardware constantly. Sure. Um, but I do think this represents a very nice alternative for people that are picking up used uh, phones and, and, and such um, and giving them, a, giving them a viable alternative on a national carrier. And I'm personally, I'm very glad that T-Mobile did not get absorbed into AT&T. I think that that oh, would have taken God. away. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I would have taken away so much from the market. Well, I'm on T-Mobile. I was dreading that merger. Oh yeah. All right. So here's. I uh, will. Uh, oh, good. Definitely right. be getting T-Mobile when I get back to the states. I mean, if this goes through and it's just like the easy, you know, go there, get a cheap plan, bring my own phone. I'm in. I'm. I'm. I will not do a contract again. So if you're watching the video, here's what the the new YouTube app on a 10 inch looks like. It's on the Prime. Ooh. On this side, it scrolls recommended stuff and things in your feed, and over here is all your channels you're subscribed to, and then. You can look at, at your stuff, all the history, all that stuff's there. Pretty cool. It works really well. Me and my girlfriend last night were sitting here watching rap battles on the tablet. <laughs> because we started watching Man with the Iron Fist. And I was like, I can't even do this. This is the worst. I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'll give it another chance, but anyway. Uh, and then what was the other app that got updated that you, oh, uh, Yahoo Mail? Updated version two. Does anybody use Yahoo Mail? Who put that in there? They are the number one, if I remember right, for online email provider. Okay. Not makes, kidding. Makes sense. Um, Hotmail's never gotten that big, and I don't think Gmail's even close. That's interesting. So new uh, in- new UI, increased stability, better security, and some other stuff. In this uh, in this. I I would maybe I wouldn't call it a new job anymore, but my current job, um, I started interacting with a lot more normal people, and I was I was shocked at how many people use Yahoo still. Everybody's on that. Mind. Everybody's on that Yahoo Messenger. They're all awesome. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah Yahoo Messenger. It's just like that? it's nineteen ninety nine all over again. Right. Uh, one more time. One yes, it's. One You're more welcome. Time. All right, uh, and then. Rockstar Games and Wardrum Studios launched the Vice City Grand Theft Auto for Android. Pretty cool. And then they unlaunched it. That's the main story. What? What happened? So, so it was available, and people were able to download it for like a very short period of time. Uh, but then when they would try to run it, they were getting verification errors and a lot of like weird crap, and then it got pulled from the store. Really? Um, Is it back and up? And Rockstar later... 
No, it's not back. They 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 posted saying, oh, it should be available the end of, we hope, end of next week, which would be this week. And they told people that if you see it in the store earlier, don't download it because it's a mistake. Because it's got malware and your device yeah. just got completely taken for a pony ride. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're writing their check to look out now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, speaking um, of that, I got on a GTA kick uh, here after our, uh, our podcast a few, week, a few weeks ago here when I, when I said GTA 3 was my app pick. This is really kind of cool. There's a guy out here that has written an app called GTA Radio. Mm-hmm. And all it is is the different radio stations that you can get in the various Grand Theft Autos. I mean... You want to talk about Uber GTA geek fanboy? I mean, holy crap. Uh, Do you think he got the rights to use any of that music? <laughs> that's the thing is that I... I, <laughs> no. I don't know. But no, going to guess probably not. But I got to admit, this is funny. I mean, if you if you were like listening to the, um, uh, the, the weird chat, uh, the weird talk radio stations that they used to do that were just like whacked out out there... Uh, I can I can imagine just busting a gut rolling down the highway listening to this. Um, That's awesome. But anyway, it, it, it's yeah that I, I have not downloaded it. I have not tried it. I do not know if it's if it's if it's illegal. It's not, not legal. Probably I'm sure it's not. There's probably no not. There's no way. Axel Rose is one of those voices in one of those games, and he's not he's not giving his rights out to anybody. Especially yeah, not some random. People have downloaded it. And since uh, November 27th, and it hasn't been yanked. Huh. We'll see. Because it's right. really good publicity for the, for the new Grand Theft Auto game that they mislaunched. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he's like, but I have the music from it. All right, uh, let's do some app picks. Shane, app pick. So this got some big fanfare last week. Snapseed. Uh, it's It, it kind of gets miscast as an Instagram clone, but it's... Um, uh, a lot more than that. It's a more high-end uh, photo uh, effect um, tool. Is it more uh, high-end than the default gallery photo editor that comes with yeah, like uh, ICS and JB and all that? Yeah, it does more than that. But the key thing I like about it, it took me a second to get used to the interface, is it uses swipes up and down to select different effects and then side to side to control the... Um, how, how powerful the effect is. Right, the slider um, bars and stuff? Or you just yeah, swipe but and... it. Right, but it, it just works really well. Like, I was surprised. Nice. At first, I didn't quite get it, but it's easy to, to select and then you swipe. Um, and you can add effects and tweak stuff a lot more effective. It has something that I don't know if Instagram does. Um, it's called it's the tilt effect, where it makes everything, like, you take a picture and it makes everything look like, like it's a miniature. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's something new that was on other devices. Um, the um, so it's a little weird when you open it, open it up and all that. Like you have to, for as far as I can tell, you have to share a picture to it to start tweaking it. Uh, but it does better, you know. It doesn't it doesn't munge the aspect ratio and crop out information like Instagram. Uh, edits the whole picture. Um, you do some needle effects, a little. But I think as a, I just really like the interface they came up with it. I think it's. It's one of the more intuitive ones for an editing device. So you have a lot more control than you do with Instagram, which is you just choose a filter. I think that's pretty much it. So uh, this was 
this was an app that when Google bought, people really liked. I'm glad to see that it uh, apparently has come to Android and is pretty good. So check it out, Snapseed. Right on. All right, uh, Eric, Epic. Yep, my app pick this week is called Terra Time, and it's T-E-R-R-A, like the Earth. Um, and what this is, is it's a live wallpaper, and I think there's also widgets, but I haven't played with them. And what it does is it shows you a snapshot of the Earth as, like, not a real snapshot, like sort of like a digitized snapshot of the Earth as it would look right now. So, and then if you move your, if you move your device, like I have it on my Nexus 7 right now, it moves the it rotates the earth so i like i'm looking right now at north america and you see it's it's darkened and you see all the city lights but then if i keep turning it more and more i get to asia and you see the line where you know, where the sunlight's shining and it's just it's a really really cool uh live wallpaper if you're into uh, if you're into the live wallpapers how is it on the it's uh, on, 299 how is it on chewing your battery life up how is it with the battery life I haven't noticed really any. I haven't noticed any like you know huge battery drain, but I I've really gotten into live wallpaper, so I'm always running a live wallpaper. Um, okay. So I mean, it's not any different than before, which I didn't think was bad at all. Well, that's cool. Terra time two ninety nine. Yeah. All right, uh, Joey. Joey, epic. Okay, this is going to sound like a cop-out or a repeat, but uh, Carbonite mobile app that I recommended here, geez, four or five weeks ago, I think, uh, they released a major update about a week and a half, two weeks ago. It's added a bunch of functionality that I didn't realize was missing until (laughs) they added it. Uh, They now support backing up of the phones. Uh, and it's amazing, and this is not cheating, Matt. Quit typing that in the chat. <laughs> Sarcastic whack. Uh, anyway, and that means something coming from me. Uh, anyway, uh, the anytime you take a picture with the camera, uh, it's amazing. It will automatically flag that picture for you know, being updated and upload it to your Carbonite account. So it's it's a free service as long as you have a Carbonite account, and it's amazing. It just so works. it's backing it's up your your Android device to your Carbonite account. That's correct. Cool. That's under cool. a, under a separate device, so you can divide the two. It doesn't appear to be backing up things like the um, like your app settings and save games and such. Right. Uh, but it is backing up documents, and I think it will back up music too. But I wouldn't swear to that. Huh. Uh, but one of the cool things. Uh, is that you can go also to your uh, to your account page on your Carbonite account, and you can locate your phone with using its GPS or cell phone signal as long as it's on, as long as it's on, and it gives you the ability to uh, have the phone ring so that you can find it if you've lost it. Hmm. Um, let me see here. I just triggered it on now here, so as soon as uh, the phone checks in with Carbonite. It will kick off a ring. Is that like calling the phone? No, it's not like calling the phone because it doesn't use the the traditional ringtone. Uh, it uses something else. It gives it an alert um, type thing. Correct. It's kind of like that Cerberus app. One more time. Awesome. Anyway, 
uh, and it will just continuously get louder and louder. What is that? It's just white noise. It's designed to That's be an awesome ring. It's so designed you... to be uh, to be something that no one else would use. <laughs> huh. And you can also lock the phone remotely, and you can wipe it remotely. Can you turn the camera and the microphone on remotely and take pictures of the SOB that stole your stuff? Start a hangout. It Cerberus does has that. that feature, but it does not work on my phone. You need a front-facing camera. Uh, that uh, no, I've got a front-facing camera. Well, that's weird then. Yeah, it's just not. It's just. It's just. It's, oh, it has to have ice cream sandwich. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this is still running gingerbread. Of course. Um. But anyway, so yes, you can you can set a, a pin and uh and lock the phone from remote if you don't already have that, uh, and you can wipe it all from remote. And this is stuff that uh, we that have phones under Exchange can do. Um. But this is something that the average person, as far as I know, can't just do. And it's a free add-in. To your uh, to your existing Carbonite account, if you are, are already paying for it to back up your PC, this is free. I say go for it. Right on. All right. Uh, I got an app pick. It's another one of those uh, NASA apps. It's called Earth Now, uh, and basically it it visualizes. And this is from the Google Play entry. It says it visualizes recent global climate data from Earth science satellites, including surface air temp, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, ozone, water vapor, gravity. Uh, sea level stuff like that and then they make these false color maps and here's what it looks like it's actually kind of cool if you mess around with it but here's uh on the tablet that's you start out with the earth and then you tap vital signs and it gives you an option of which you'd like and we can pick like air temperature and then it loads the thing and then it shows you the air temperature so and then it's got you know like it said Carbon dioxide, gravity field, ozone. Like you can check out the gravity field. It's, I don't know, kind of cool. Just something uh, to mess around with, getting data from all of that cool stuff that uh, NASA is doing. Please tell me it's free because we pay for that data through taxes. Yeah, no, all the NASA apps are free. Come on. <laughs> I don't recommend paid apps very often. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, I think that's gonna do it. Another fantastic episode. Attack the androids. Check the show notes for links to all the articles and app picks that we talked about. You can watch the rerun of the Hangout uh, on our YouTube playlist with all the other the other tech show that we do uh, once a week. Uh, email what, Eric? In three. A show at attackoftheandroids.com. Fantastic. And leave a message, 406-204-4687. Any questions, comments, whatever. Uh, Joey, Shane, Eric, as always, a pleasure. Seth should be back with us soon, I think. Soon as school's out. <laughs> so, all right, attackoftheandroids.com. That's our site. Check it out. Subscribe in iTunes. Make sure you leave us a review. We appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Attack of the Androids. Attack of the Androids dot com.